Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and on this episode, I invited a special guest to discuss video games with me, more specifically, the Final Fantasy series. But before we get into this week's topic, I would like to introduce you to this week's guest, Cammie Watkins. Cammie, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Awesome. I'm glad you're here as well. I'm really excited about tonight's topic. Me too. <laughs> well, before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. Uh, so my name is Cammie, like you said. Uh, I crochet video game and anime related kind of accessories, hats, stuffed animals. Um, aside from that, I work as a tutor for high school and college students and I volunteer as a paramedic. Um, yeah, I usually spend my free time playing video games or at the gym. That's really awesome. <laughs> Thanks. So you're like a geek that also is kind of like a, a part-time superhero. I I try to be, you know, paramedicine is a whole lot of, uh, you kind of sit around waiting a lot and then every so often the world tries to fall apart on you. <laughs> well, you, you just mentioned that you crochet geek related items. When did you get your start crocheting? I do. So uh, my aunt taught me to kind of knit and crochet when I was like really young, like seven or eight years old. Um, but I kind of didn't keep up with it because I was seven years old. <laughs> um, but I, I picked it back up in college. Uh, I double majored with a minor. So as you can imagine, it was like constant reading and studying. And I fidget when I study. So I really needed something to kind of keep my hands busy to help me focus. And uh, I just found like, oh, knitting needles and crochet hooks. I can just kind of tuck that in my backpack or like have that in my dorm. And so I started just kind of making random stuff, just like dishcloths and blankets and stuff. And it just kind of progressed from there. So the knitting needles is kind of like grandma's version of the fidget spinner. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I have never heard it described that way before, but I'm going to use that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, when I first met you, I met you at Classic Game Fest. Uh, Mm -hmm. You were there with your business called First Call Crochet. First Mm -hmm. of all, awesome name. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with it? Um, So it actually comes from an EMT joke. I was, um, when I was going through medic school, I was working with the San Antonio Fire Department. Shout out to my guys because they're amazing. Um, But I was listening to some of the other medics talk and one of them made a joke and he said, oh, you know, how do you tell who's a rookie? Well, you'll look for the one who gets excited at the first call of the day. And I was like, first call, that actually sounds really cool. I'm going to use that. So yeah, just came out of nowhere. So you're, you're bringing in your superhero life into your crochet world. I'm trying. I'm trying. Are you starting to see how this is all fitting in together now? Yeah. Right. So how, how did, how did you get this business started? Um, so surprisingly enough ties back into the superhero thing, like you said. Um, so when I was in paramedic school, I did uh, an accelerated paramedic program and it was one year. And it was like, you were in class nine to five every day, kind of like med school. And again, I used to just kind of crochet random stuff while we were in class just to kind of be able to stay focused. And one day, one of the firefighters that was in the program with me asked if I could make a stuffed Pokemon for his son. I think it was a a Squirtle, if I remember correctly. And he was like, oh, I'll pay you to make me the stuffed Pokemon. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, next thing I know, like all of the like former army guys in the class and all the firefighters in the class, they're all like, oh, we want you to make stuff for us too. And I was like, okay. 
And from there, they were like, you know, you could like probably make these and sell these. And I was like, that's a fantastic idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so did you did you know how to already make the doll? I mean, because like I saw your Charmander at the at the convention, and it was pretty detailed and pretty amazing looking. So, like, is, did you have to go online and find patterns, or how, how did you know to make how to shape it and everything into the creature? Well, so the first the first Pokemon that I made was actually a Chikorita, and I made it while I was still in college. Um, I want to say it was my senior year and I started working on it while I, I think while I was doing thesis research and the Chikorita, I found a pattern online and just kind of worked off of that. And then as I started branching out into like more and more different Pokemon for various people, I started kind of starting to create my own patterns and to some degree, like bastardizing what I'd found online, like, okay, I found this pattern for this shape online. Okay, I'm going to incorporate that into the Charmander's head or the Charmander's nose and that kind of thing. So yeah, it started out just using patterns online. And then as I've learned and gotten better, it's kind of become a mix of my own stuff and patterns. That's really cool and really creative. I wish I was creative like that. I can't design things. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a lot of trial and error. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Well, besides the Pokemon dolls, what else do you make? Um, so I've made, um, mostly, mostly the stuffed animals I've done. Um, I've done like, you know, random non Pokemon stuffed animals. Uh, the vast majority of the stuff that I make for conventions are beanies, which of course, like summer in Texas, not a lot of people want beanies. Um, (laughs) but I do a lot of those. Um, I do a lot of like blankets and stuff. When my brother graduated from college, I made him this, or graduated from high school, excuse me, not college. Um, I made this (laughs) giant blanket for him. I'm trying to like fast forward my brother's like education here. Um, (laughs) Oh goodness. And then, uh, so you go to any fire station in San Antonio, there's about a 50% chance that they will have a dishcloth that I made them one day while I was there. So I do stuff like that too. That's hilarious. I'm going to go to a fire station and keep an eye out. (laughs) Just randomly knock on the door and be like, I want to search through your dishcloths. Do you have a dishcloth by Cammie Watkins? (laughs) Uh, How long does it take you to make these items? Like if you were to just kind of rough estimate, because you had like a little Pokemon, little ball looking, I I would call them hacky sacks, which is what I thought they were when I first approached (laughs) people. But they're they're like little dolls. Uh, So how long would it take? How long does it take you to make like something like that? Um, so, so yeah, the little, so I was calling them Pokemon eggs because they were kind of egg shaped, but like styled after the Pokemon. Anyways, um, so one of those would take about like an hour. Um, the beanies usually take like one to two hours. Um, then I had the, the, this, the giant Charizard I made with the wire frame and the wings. That thing took about a hundred hours. I want to say just because I had to build the wire frame for his wings from scratch. That's crazy. that was an adventure that I would not like to repeat anytime soon. But I'll make sure I share the picture of it on, on, on the, the show notes on this. I mean, that thing looked amazing. It looked like Charmander. So it was, you did an amazing job on it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, you know, side note, I didn't want to embarrass myself while I was there. I don't know if you saw me, but I was like picking up those, what you called Pokemon eggs. And I was like, 
oh wait, these aren't these aren't hacky sacks. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I placed it back I, down. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I made one that was like the the cuckoos, the chickens from Zelda, right? That are uh-huh. like evil. And literally, I made it just so when I was playing Zelda and I got mad at the evil chickens, I could just grab it and squeeze it and be like, <laughs> that's <laughs> so, funny. <laughs> so, hacky sacks are a perfectly valid use. <laughs> What would you say is one of the hardest items that you ever had to make? Um, I've done a couple different things with wings. I made uh, a toothless plushie for a friend of mine, and that was another one where I had to build a wire frame for the wings. Um, I made a Ninetales once for um, one of my paramedic friends. Uh, his son is a huge Ninetales fan, so I made a Ninetales for him, which was an adventure because I had to make each tail separately and then sew them all on. And I actually had to counterweight the front feet because the, the tails were so heavy. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it was fun. And then my brother's high school blanket, actually, he's 6'5". And he was 6'5 when he was like 18 years old, like what the heck i'm so jealous <laughs> but so his blanket had to be massive so that thing was probably one of the hardest things i've had to make that's crazy i'm trying to imagine you like actually sitting there and creating these these items and then having to like individually sew on their body parts in order to make them look like the character yeah that's that's my least favorite part honestly <laughs> is doing the sewing it's like stitching together a character and putting his body parts back together. We can rebuild them. It can be done. <laughs> right. Oh, true. I learned that you also cosplay. What what characters have you cosplayed as? Yes. Cosplay is awesome. Okay. So I started as Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy VII because Tifa's my girl and I love her. Um, and then when I was in college, I did uh, Altair Ibn Lahad from the first uh, Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an adventure and is actually one I don't bust out often because one of my one of my degrees was in um, medieval studies. So when I was actually making Altair's outfit, which comes from about 1191, I decided that I wanted it to be as historically accurate as possible. So I was doing a lot of research into like, okay, well, here are the fabrics that they would have used at the time and like that kind of thing. Which is great, and I love the cosplay, but you try walking around, it's like three separate layers, and one of them is like this kind of, this very, very sturdy, almost canvas-type material, because, okay, he's an assassin, he's not wearing a whole lot of armor, He, you know, so the outfits would have been this very sturdy material, but you try to walk around in that in the Texas heat in three layers, it's miserable. So that one only comes out during the winter. It's like going to Renaissance Fest and stuff and you see these people like decked out in full knight's armor with the chainmail and everything. It's like it looks really cool, but you know it's a pain in the ass oh, to wear. It's gotta be the worst, yeah. But <laughs> I love the Assassin Creed Assassin's Creed. So I also did Edward Kenway from uh Black Flag from Assassin's Creed Floor. And then my most recent project was um Yuri Kotsky from Yuri on Ice. I did his like Eros um costume for ice skating. And you just wore that recently at uh um, rooster, uh, yeah, RTX. RTX. Yep. I did. And I did. How did that go? Oh, how did that go? I mean, did it, did it get really good reception? Yeah. Yeah. I got some pretty good reception. Um, it's, it's definitely a little bit different at RTX being like primarily video games and stuff versus I, I noticed there are a lot more people who are like, Oh, I recognize your outfit at like anime conventions versus RTX. But, um, it was great. It got, it got good reception. And the good thing about that outfit is like half the, a good half the torso is mesh. So it doesn't get too hot. 
So it's like air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, I'm like, okay, like half my half my torso is warm and my legs are warm because it's solid black, but like the other half is like, this is mesh. It's nice and open and, and just stand under an air conditioner and you'll be fine. Now, you know, a lot of people complain like in California and stuff about how hot it is, but people don't understand that the Texas heat with the humidity down here is really bad. Oh, it's so- stifling. It's the worst. So when you're at a convention decked out in full costume, it I I I don't envy you you guys who dress in <laughs> cosplay. I'm just like, how do y'all do it? Especially with the full masks and everything. I'm like, how? Oh, it's uh, it's an adventure. <laughs> do you have any new cosplay that you're planning on uh, designing now for another convention coming up? Um, so I'm actually working on uh, Ken Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul. Speaking of masks, he's got like the almost full <laughs> leather face mask. Um, so I actually just finished my the actual face mask in time for RTX. So I wore that on Sunday because I wanted the Yuri outfit to kind of like hang up because I had a couple uh, things I needed to fix. Mm-hmm. So I tried to wear that most of the day Sunday and I managed about half a day before I was like, yeah, it's 103 degrees outside and I'm trying to wear a full leather face mask. This is not working. That's <laughs> so, definitely going to be a winter costume, right? Yeah. Yeah. I And the, the zipper across the mouth actually works, which is nice. So I can, if I'm overheating, I can like unzip about half the face, right? And like get some airflow in. But yeah, after I ate lunch, I was just kind of like, I think I'm done with the mask for the day. <laughs> She's like, I'm done with cosplay altogether. It's too <laughs> yeah, hot. No, no, I'm, I'm out. Uh, but it was an adventure. And then on top of that, um, the two other like big projects I kind of have that I work on a little bit here and a little bit there are Agent Washington from Red vs. Blue. And then, of course, Kane Highwind um, from Final Fantasy IV. I'm going to do his like full armor. Um, that That's going to be a sight. It's going to be fun. The fun part of it. So I mentioned that one of my degrees was medieval studies. My other degree is actually in chemistry. So what I'm doing is I'm actually, I've talked to a couple people that I went through my chem program with um, who are still working in the labs and stuff. And so I'm going to be able to actually um, metal plate a lot of the armor. So it will actually be, it will have a very, very thin coating of actual metal plating on the outside. So it shouldn't look like actual armor. And I'm super excited about this. So you're not going to be able to walk through metal detectors. (laughs) Yeah, basically I will set off all the metal detectors. (laughs) So so it's going to be like a foam costume, but you're going to have the metal kind of uh, laid on top of it. So the costume itself is um, actually going to be a mix of, so what I'm doing is I'm printing most of it on cardstock and then assembling it that way and then layering it with resin. So the costume itself will be uh, probably a combination of uh, resin and leather in that like the stiffer parts where I'm not going to be moving a lot will be resin and then all the joints will probably be leather and then I'm going to plate most of that with metal. That's going to be crazy. I cannot wait to see that. I'm super excited about it. Are you, are you ask, actually going to be, build his uh, spear, his, his staff? Eventually, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll kind of see how that ends up coming along based on how the armor ends up coming along. But it's, it's especially a bit of an adventure just with the kind of, of course, all the plate armor has a medieval base. And my thesis I wrote on actual medieval warfare. So... A lot of the armor that I'm making is actually um, informed by all the research I did for my thesis. So I'm trying to make it as like accurate as possible based on how actual armor will, would move. 
Okay, so it's it's gonna it's going to resemble Kane, but it's gonna be more of a historic feel to the armor. So it's it's gonna look more like I mean, it's gonna have the feel of like what an actual knight would have wore back during the time or whatnot. Yes, although I'm still gonna put all of his like accoutrements on it. Like you you know what Kane's armor looks like. It's a little oh, yeah. over the top. <laughs> just oh, yeah. a little bit. Very, very <laughs> just a little a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just a little a lot. Yeah. So my goal is to have something that looks like Kane's armor, but actually is functional. Okay, yeah, this is going to be very interesting. It's going to be like that dark blue, awesome looking color. It's going to yep. be amazing to see. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you. So obviously you're a gamer. <laughs> a little bit. What type of games do you play? Um, So a little bit of everything, you know, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, Assassin's Creed, um, kind of all your standard RPGs, Mass Effect, Skyrim, Fallout. Um, I do some other other games here and there um no first person shooters which is a great irony because um i am terrible at first person shooters you put a controller in my hand and i will die like instantly whether it's halo call of duty i am terrible at them which is hilarious because i'm actually certified as a combat medic and like i go out to the actual gun range and you can put any gun in my hand i can hit a bullseye at like 25 yards (laughs) (laughs) so so it is hilarious that like i can't do first person shooters well you have to admit holding a gun and holding a controller are two different things right right Uh, but yeah no my brother gives me trash about it all the time I can't play first-person shooters anymore either. I mean, I, I get into those those matches, and it's just I get devastated, and I'm like, why do I even waste my time on this? Right, right. I can't, I even can't. enjoy the game. Exactly, exactly. No, but like, even you put me in campaign mode, the easiest setting, and I will die within about five minutes. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> oh goodness. What, what would you consider to be your favorite genre of games? Um, I'd say probably the uh, the role playing games, the RPGs. Um, you know, I'm a huge sucker for Final Fantasy and Mass Effect. I mean, I have a Mass Effect tattoo because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so you're 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 into the turn based kind of slow pace, story driven role playing games. Yeah, the story driven is the big thing for me. Like, I'll play even something that has like bad gameplay. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories. <laughs> um, <laughs> if the story is good. Was that the card playing one? Yeah, that was the card playing one. Yeah, that was the one on Game Boy. Okay. Yeah, and I played I played the remake where they tried to keep the same exact mechanics only for the PlayStation, and it did not work. I think I have that game, but I don't think I ever played it. I know I played the Game Boy one, but I didn't get yeah. too far in it because I was like, uh, I don't like the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I powered through that one, even though it made me rage quit a few times. Well, I have to give you mad props. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll play pretty much anything as long as it has a good story. Well, awesome. Well, how can our audience find out more about you? Like, where can they go to find out more about you, where they can find out about First Call Crochet? So they can find me on Twitter at Call Crochet, or they can check out First Call Crochet on Etsy. I have an Etsy shop. Um, and then the final way to contact me about crochet stuff is notaspooniebard at gmail.com. I love it. Yep. Yep. I'm a nerd. <laughs> so this is actually going to lead, lead into our next topic here. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Final Fantasy because while we were at the convention, I found out that you and me both have the same feelings about Final Fantasy 4. I love Final Fantasy 4. It was my favorite in the franchise. I, I played the first 10 in the series, Final Fantasy's 1 through 10. 4, though, is just 
hands down my favorite game. I love the characters. I love the story. I love everything about it. And then you told me that you had the same feelings for it. And I'm like, oh my God, we're like, we're like kindred spirits here. Right. So I wanted to bring you on and talk to you a little bit about Final Fantasy. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about your 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 email address because Spoonie Bard is a reference to Final Fantasy IV. Yes. Yes, it is. You um <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna also say you go by the name Cami Strife on Instagram. Was it Instagram? Yeah. So <laughs> Yep. So, you know, the last name Strife is from Final Fantasy VII, of course, Cloud Strife. So yes. I just th- I just think it's funny how you have all these little Final Fantasy elements and, you know, people mm-hmm. don't realize that unless they play the games. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's my thing is I like the, like, really subtle references, although I guess admittedly Strife as a last name isn't that subtle because everyone and their mother has played FF7. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII, of course. But, you know, the Spoonie Bard, things <laughs> yes, like that. I mean, I Spoonie Bard. <laughs> When you gave me, gave me your email address, I just busted out laughing. Yeah, that was, oh goodness, I don't, I want to say I was like 16 or 17 and I was like, okay, I need an actual email, but I wanted it to be something that has like a little bit of a nerd reference, but not like an overt nerd reference because I wanted it to be something that I could use like through college and stuff. And then I just happened to be playing FF4 like earlier that day. And I was like, what, like, really subtle, you Spoonie Bard. And then I was like, oh, I should adapt the you Spoonie Bard line into an email. And Spoonie, <laughs> just plain Spoonie Bard was taken. So I was like, clearly someone else had the same idea. So then I was like, well, I'm not a Spoonie Bard. So that's funny. I want to tell his best line in the game. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's such, it's one of those like terrible translations that has become like beloved by the fans. And I adore that. All your base are belong to us. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Or uh, FF7 Aerith's This Guy Are Sick. Yeah. <sighs> oh, uh, goodness. Yeah, the first six games, first seven, uh, actually, I think all the way up, probably to the first eight games had really, really bad English translations. Um, they didn't fix them until like they started re-releasing them and stuff like that. But yeah, they yeah. were bad back in the days. <laughs> they they were, but like so bad it was good. <laughs> At least some of them. Some of them, not maybe not so much, but at least a couple of them are like, this is so bad that like, I want it to stay. Yeah. I mean, and you know, what's sad is, is when I, I'm of that generation that I actually got to play a lot of those games when they first came out. I know you're a lot younger than I am, but you know, when you played them when I was 13, 14 years old, you didn't notice, I guess, because maybe I spoke bad English or whatever. I was just playing (laughs) the game. I don't know, but I didn't notice it until as I got older, I'm like, wow, this this English translation sucks. <laughs> right. And then you go online and you find out all these other people that talk about the different translations and the different errors in the games. And you don't remember the whole story, but then when you start browsing online, you just go down that rabbit hole of like, wow, the translation really was bad. Mm-hmm. And it makes you, makes you wonder like, how did Squaresoft allow that to be translated? <laughs> right. Like that? right. Yeah. I was it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, so where was your quality assurance team? <laughs> well, we, we know you love Final Fantasy. So where did your love for the series begin? Where did it start? Okay, so uh, probably... Like f- a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, in a galaxy far, far away. 
Um, so I had a friend who played the games in middle school and she was an artist. So she was always drawing art of the characters. Um, and she had this really, really beautiful piece of, uh, Red 13 that, I, that caught my eye. And I was just kind of like, oh, what's that? Who's that? Cause it was gorgeous artwork. And she was like, oh, it's this like character in this video game called Final Fantasy. And like, that's a thing. And I was like, oh, sounds cool. And then completely forgot about it until my freshman year of high school, um where one of my friends who was also into gaming um made me watch advent children so the movie sequel to final fantasy 7 and if you've ever watched advent children the original not the re-release in 2010 but the original from like 2006 if you haven't played 7 it is almost impossible to keep up with like what's happening and why it's happening I hadn't played seven in years. And I was like, when I watched that movie, I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right, right. There are so many things that they just don't tell you if you've only seen the movie. Like they give you like a basic, like 90 second at the very beginning. This is what happened in this game. But like the game itself is like, the storyline is like 50 to 70 hours, depending on how you play. So they can't really sum it up very well in about 90 seconds. Um, So I was completely lost. I was like, I have no idea what this is, but it looks cool. Um, so you played the game. <laughs> yeah, basically, actually, because I went to uh, I was in my geometry class freshman year and I was talking um, to some uh, somebody in my geometry class. I was like, oh, yeah, like it was this cool movie that, you know, my friend from middle school who like went to a different high school uh, had made me watch. Like, so I was telling a friend about it over the movie I'd seen over the weekend and one of the other kids in the class overheard and he was like, oh, are you talking about Final Fantasy VII? And I was like, yeah, I just saw the movie, but I'm really confused because I never played the game. And he was like, well, I'm happy to lend you my copy and my PlayStation if you want to play it. And I was like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> so it was he was incredibly generous. And yeah, he let me keep his PlayStation for a couple months and his copy of Final Fantasy VII. And I played through and just kind of absolutely fell in love with it so your love started with final fantasy 7 of course that's the most popular game in the franchise it's the one everybody ever talks about uh what was it about final fantasy that you just fell in love with was it the story was it the characters so i think it was it was definitely the characters um i'm a big fan of character driven stories but i mean up until that point like the only video games i had played were like pokemon and Mm -hmm. maybe a bit of uh Oh, what's the James Bond one for the N64? It's the GoldenEye. GoldenEye? Yeah. So the only games I had played as a kid were like Mario Kart and GoldenEye and Pokemon, none of which are particularly character driven, right? So for me, it was kind of like, oh, this is this is super cool. This is a really interactive, like plot driven, character driven. And I loved the narrative. And I mean, even as like young as I was um, freshman year of high school, I want to say I was like 12. I was even like way back then, like instantly, I was like, oh, man, Cloud is so cool. And which, of course, he's still like my favorite fictional character in all of existence. But um, <laughs> I, I I, don't know. It was definitely just kind of the characters and the fact that it was a really, really intricate plot that dealt with like some serious things like you dealt with like, um, you know, mental trauma and like themes of redemption and like all of this and. Sephiroth was such a complex villain, I felt, because he wasn't like he was a good guy before he, you know, went insane. And so that was a lot more complex than what I was getting from like all of the other media I was consuming at the time. And that's kind of why I fell in love with it, I think. 
it was more complex than let's say Mario having to go save the princess or <laughs> riding around in your co-karts yeah. and Mario Kart. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you actually got a story about genocide and <laughs> uh, people stealing identities of other soldiers. and Yeah. Yeah. And like super complex things like Cloud's whole, like, like his whole mental issues where his brain, like his mind just couldn't cope with the trauma that had happened. And so it retreated into like all these various like psychological coping mechanisms and how he like deconstructs those over the course of the story and like processes his issues. And it was just, I loved it. If you, how many of the Final Fantasy games have you played? Um, So I have one, two, I'm like right before the final boss in three and I just haven't gotten around to beating it. Um, Four, so I've played all of them except for five which i just bought so i will be playing through it soon um i sorry go ahead with the best character name butts ever yeah right that's great um yeah so five i haven't played um let me see nine i haven't finished and then i don't really i'm not really into mmos so i haven't played 11 or 14 yeah, I kind of stopped after 10. I mean, I have 12, I have 13, I have 15. <laughs> You've also played 15, I believe. Yes, I have. And I will admit that I adored 15. I also have a Final Fantasy 15 tattoo because I'm a nerd. <laughs> but We'll talk about 15 here in a minute. But okay. uh, So out of all the games that you've played, which I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be 15, which one do you think is the best of the series? So, so seven, of course, is my, it was my, it was my gateway drug. Um, It was my gateway game. Just like it got me not into final, not just into Final Fantasy, but into like the gaming community as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I think there's very, very, very strong nostalgia factor with FF7 for me. Um, So seven is one of my favorites. I thought 10 was good. Um, I mean, I liked eight. Surprisingly, I even liked 12 and 13, even though they were like, issues with it um but i wrote i wrote college papers on seven and 15 so those two have to be in like my top three and then i just final fantasy four man that's (laughs) absolutely like we were talking about that is absolutely one of the ones that is at like the very top of my list so if you had so we got final fantasy 15 we got final fantasy 7 and we got final fantasy 4 as your top three all-time favorites Yep. What is it about those games that make you just just feel that those are the best in the series? My biggest thing, um, again, kind of comes back to character-driven plots. You know, if the story does something really, really interesting and new and the characters really drive everything forward, then I'll probably be into it. Um, I mean, for four, I mean, Kane, Kane Highwind. That's, that's all you need is Kane. He's great. I love him. Um and of course the soundtracks the soundtracks are just stellar um what really gets me about four especially is of course like i said kane he's wonderful but like cecil as a main character is just he's so sincere and like he's trying so hard and i just kind of i adored that about seven um on top of that i felt like or seven four cecil's from four sorry um (laughs) let me just mix up my games here um that's okay there's so many of them. Yeah, right. Um, the other thing that I really loved about 4 especially, and I felt 15 as well, is that there was very, very little need for grinding. The games themselves felt very, very balanced. 
Um, and then with all three of these, you kind of have like two major themes that kind of have jumped out at me as things that I really, really like. Um, the first is the idea that like brute strength alone is not power. And then the idea of like a found family. Um, and that really got me with four and to a lesser extent with seven and fifteen. In Final Fantasy four, what do you, would you say was probably the most emotional part for you in that game when you were playing the game? Um, so there were two separate parts for me that were really, really emotional. Um, one not entirely negative, but kind of negative, and then one positive. Um, what got me was the part right before they're about to go to the moon and fight the final boss and all of that, when you have uh, your your healer and your summoner, right? Rosa and Rydia. Uh-huh. Um, they're with you, and they're like, everybody's about to go, and Cecil's like, no. The women have to stay behind. I was sitting here and I was like, you what, mate? I was just like, are you kidding me? Stop it right now. Shut that down. So that, that made me, that made me actually, I had to set down the game for a moment because I was like. She was like, the game did not just go there. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Cecil, Cecil, I have been rooting for you so hard the entire game. What version of the game did you play? Did you play the original Super NES version, Final Fantasy 2, or did you play like the PlayStation remake or the re-release, I should say, not the remake? Um, yeah, I played I played the DS remake first. Okay, so you played the 3D version of the game. Yes, that was the one I played first, and then I got the PSP 2D remake, and I played through that as well. Okay. Um yeah, and I, I completely blanked the positive moment. Um, She's like, I'm trying to think of the positive one. I know there's one. <laughs> I know there's one. No, I was just so mad. Um, Damn but, sexist video game. Yeah, right. And I'm like, okay, it's a product of his time, but really? Um, probably the moment for me, actually, that was most emotional was when Kane thought that he was free of the mind control, and then he got pulled back into it. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm just like, oh, oh. You poor child. Which is like weird because like when I played it, I was like 14 and he's like supposed to be like in his early 20s or whatever. But she's like, my baby, you poor child. <laughs> you poor child, even though you're older than me. Um, that that was that was just kind of a very, very subtle moment for me that was still like, oh, wow. So the, the moment that sticks out for me in the game is uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's right after you go. It's it's the town that you destroy in the very first part of the game. Masidia, I believe it is. Yeah. And you're in Masidia. You're you're getting ready to leave Masidia and um, Palam and Param, Param, however you say his name, had to sacrifice themselves and turn themselves into statues to stop oh. the wall from crushing you. Yeah, that was that was definitely the, a good moment. Music gets all dark, and I'm like, "What just happened?" Right, right. And you're just like, "What?" It, it surprised me too because I wasn't expecting them to like kill off the children, but they did. Yeah, it's like let's kill off the kids. They're a sexist video game murders kids. This is <laughs> right? like, wow. Why do we like this game again? <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's it's so good. It's so good. If you could take party members from multiple different Final Fantasies and build the perfect party, who would be in your top five? Oh, goodness. Um, mm, why are you making me choose? Um, Kane Highwind, because Kane. Of course. Um, first of all, um, Ignis Scantia from FF15. I love Ignis. Like, he's great. Um, also, he can cook, so, like, we need somebody to cook. <laughs> um, Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife, of course, because Cloud. Um, 
we need we need our heavy hitters. We have our aerial combat. We have our like super fast dude who's also capable of healing and cooking. And now we have our heavy hitter. Um, so I need a healer. Okay, so hmm, I'm thinking we we've got a we've got a whole lot of like nihilism going on in the team. So we need some optimism. <laughs> so like that'd be good. So like oh, I'm probably gonna get like somebody yelling at me for this because my first thought waiting for you to say waka from final fantasy 10 <laughs> no <laughs> not that bad my my first thought is like okay like hope s theme from final fantasy 13 but like after his character development so when he's like no longer like a whiny bratty teenager uh-huh. because he can like white magic and black magic but mm, no not hope not hope Cecil, Cecil or Aerith, because once Cecil becomes a paladin, he can heal and attack. But like Aerith, I'm going to go with Cecil. Okay, so Cecil's number four. Cecil Harvey from FF4. And I probably need a distance fighter too. So well, you got Kane. I do, I do have, yeah, more of an like aerial combatist, right? So I'm thinking like a gunner. Um, Barrett? yeah maybe barrett so so i want to say like uh irvine from final fantasy 8 because that cowboy get up like when i played final fantasy 8 i uh i used to ride horses and i competitively and so when i was playing final fantasy 8 i was actively competing with like barrel racing and pole bending and all like the radio stuff and like uh-huh. irvine's whole thing right is that he wears like the chaps and the cowboy hat so i was like hey it's me when i first started playing at the because <laughs> and he's also he's also the one that uses the rifle like i shoot rifles that's my thing and so i was kind of like ah but i'm sorry irvine i think vincent's cooler so we're gonna go with vincent valentine <laughs> Did you play his spinoff game by chance? I did. And that's why I'm choosing him because he was the only one because I thought about Vincent and Prompto and Barrett. And I was like, you know what? Vincent's the only one who gets an entire game about how freaking awesome he is. So Vincent. <laughs> and sadly, he's a character you didn't even have to acquire in Final Fantasy VII. Right. He's optional. He's optional. And like, admittedly, the gameplay in his spinoff game was terrible, which is probably why I could play it and not die. But the story was actually decent and like Vincent is just like awesome. So <laughs> I, I don't know who would be in my top five. I know for sure. I would probably have Cecil. I mm-hmm. would definitely probably have Tara from final fantasy six as my okay. summoner. Um, Titus from final fantasy 10. Okay. And then I don't know. I, I know I would need a healer. Cecil can pull double duty as a healer, right? Yeah, he could. He's just not a powerful healer. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would have to sit there and maybe think about that one a little bit longer. Probably Red 13. Okay. You know, we talked about him. He was a good character. Um, you know, he had range attacks. Um, not That's really true. range attacks. He was more of a, a, what do you call it? A brawler type fighter. His, I think one of his limit breaks was a ranged attack. It's been a while. I'm going to need to go back and play it again. See, I just started playing Final Fantasy 4 again. Nice. Because <laughs> I want to re- I want to remember a lot of the story. You know, the last time I played that was probably about 10 years ago. So the story is not very fresh in my head. And that's the one thing that's sad about playing these video games is you go, you play through them and you remember things. Like you obviously remember them like in great detail, but I vaguely have like bits and pieces of the memory of the game, playing the game, remembering the story. And I like, I remember the general outline of the story, but I'm like, I got to play this game again so I can remember what the actual story was all about and how the characters interacted and all this other stuff. So that's why I started the game again. Um, and I guess it was, you know, of course, talking to you about it. I'm like, my God, I need to play this game again because it's so freaking awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I so, feel you. Uh, one of my favorite things about that game was that, you know, I when I was younger, I played through it. And I just I remember playing through the game and just kind of whipping through it as quickly as I can get through it. Beat the game and was like, wow, this is really fun. Put it down, started playing other things. And then I came back to it later, started a new game. And I actually took my time going through the game and like trying to find things. And I was finding stuff that I didn't even realize was in the game. Like I didn't know you can go take, um, oh, who was it? Odin, the summon spell for Odin and turn him into, uh, I can't, was it Bangladesh or not Bangladesh, whatever the heck the other, there's a, a different summon you could turn him into. Uh, King Baron turns into the different summon. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't yes. know you can do that. Yes. Um, uh, um, um, oh, goodness. Name? Oh, man, I'm going to have to look this up. But anyway, I, you know, I found that out. There's a secret in the game where if you're on the moon, there's a certain room that has this one enemy in it called uh, Pink Puff. And if you get into enough battles with Pink Puff, one of the Pink Puffs will eventually drop a random item called the Pink Tail. You take this Pink Tail back to the, uh, the, uh, the dwarves and they'll build you the Mithril armor. Well, I never got the pink tail. <laughs> oh, okay. I could never get them to drop that. St- I fought the pink. I fought so many freaking pink buffs. I remember when I was younger, uh, Nintendo used to have a hotline. It was a 1-800 number. Used to cost like a dollar something a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and is that and how I you would like constantly call them? I mean, it was before the internet. We didn't have the internet back then. Yeah. And I would just like <laughs> look up a guide or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I would be like, now, are you sure that these pink puffs are supposed to drop this tail? And they're like, yes, if you just keep fighting them, they'll eventually drop it. And I spent hours and, you know, it was a random encounter. So you didn't always fight the pink puffs. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's one thing I do want to acquire is try to get that mithril armor in the game. So this hopefully in the new version, they made it a little easier to acquire. I haven't played all the way through the new version of the game. So the, and that's the PSP re-release. That's the one I'm mm-hmm. playing now. So. But yeah, those are some of the things I really loved about the game was, you know, there's all these secrets and stuff that you can go back and acquire and learn. And, you know, it was just more to do in the game than just play through the linear storyline. There was little side quests, little side things you could do. It was just really cool. All these little like side quests tend like developed your characters more, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, you learn more about the characters, more about what their background were, things like that. And, you know, the series, you know, started getting really heavy into that, especially when they started moving towards Final Fantasy VI, you mm-hmm. know. In Final Fantasy VI, you started having secret characters like uh, Umaru and um, uh, what was it, Gogo? Um, yes. So there was there was characters like that you had to go hunt down and find. You didn't have to have them, um, mm-hmm. but they added to the story. And then there was actually once you got like Gogo in your party, for example, there was actually more story about who this character was. So there was actually side quests that you can go do that kind of developed. That person's story. I don't know if it was a he or a she. I never figured that out in the game. But um, so there was things like that. Uh, another cool element about Final Fantasy VI that, you know, they kept building upon and building upon was like, you know, the story element. So when the game was getting ready to end, the end of the world in the middle part of the game, mm-hmm. you had to choose whether you were going to wait for Shadow to return or not. Right. And, and they brought you right down to the wire because he doesn't get there until like five seconds before you are dead. I always got scared and was like, nope, not waiting for him anymore because I didn't know that the game would, would you know, automatically let him join the party. I mean, it wasn't until like my second or third playthrough, I think, of that game when it finally hit me. Let's just sit here and see what happens. <laughs> and he finally shows up. Yeah. And, and the, I think the best part of that setup was that like the last save point before that is like way, 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 way back. So you yes. can't go, oh, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And then I'm going to reload my last save because like the last save point was like at least two hours of gameplay before. 
Yeah, you're stressing. You're like, do I really want to do all this all over again? Exactly. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's those are the type of things they kept adding to the game that I'm just like, wow, this is like in a, a really good, amazing series. I mean, you know, it started off. I don't know if you ever. Well, you said you played the first Final Fantasy. I mean, I did. Yep. NES first Final Fantasy. It was just a straight through. You run through the, you know, run through the game, get took random encounters. There's a story to it, but it's, you know, about the four warriors of light. You go fight. Uh, I can't think of his name. I was getting ready to, I was getting ready to say Golbez, but I was like, no, that's Final Fantasy IV. That's, that's four. Um, Garland. 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 Thank you. I knew it was a G. That's okay. My first thought was Gabranth, who's an enemy in 12. So like, but no, it's Garland. <laughs> what is with the G names? Right? So, you know, you go fight him and, you know, you, you save the day. I mean, but it's just a basic game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't start really getting advanced until Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy three on NES, which we didn't get until years later here in the United States when mm-hmm. they started adding like character classes and things like that. So I, I, that's one thing I really appreciated about the series was how they just kept doing these drastic improvements to it to make the gameplay and the story elements even better and better. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you. So you've pretty much played every single Final Fantasy except it sounds like except for the online games and five. And five. Yeah. Um, Sakaguchi, the original creator of the series, he left around at the ninth game. Um, do you feel that the series is the same without him? Um, do you even notice a difference? So, so I think I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I loved the kind of the very turn-based combat job classes um, system. I love the early medieval feel of the earlier games, although like the industrial feel of seven and eight were also like really cool. I feel like so I mean I know he had like some creative input in 10 so I feel like I can't like you can't like judge 10 as like completely separate from Sakaguchi so so I guess past that I feel like they stumbled a little bit like with 12 12 has some issues as really odd pacing if you do ever get around to playing it like I think some of the characters are not as fleshed out as they need to be um I feel the story as a whole is solid and well delivered, but it it's paced very oddly. So it, sometimes it moves very quickly, but then at other times it feels like it's dragging. Um, that's why I think it took me like seventy hours to get through the story, or the first time I played <laughs> it, it was it was a lot. Um, so I think the fact that they did try to go for oh we're gonna go for like a longer game maybe contributed to the pacing issues. I don't know. Um, and then I think thirteen was. They did stumble a little bit there. You know, everybody knows how linear 13 is. Um, of course, uh, the characters of Hope and Vanille made you want to, like, murder your speakers. Um, <laughs> at least until I will say that Hope's character development was fantastic, I thought, because he was, I hated him at the beginning of the game. It's like he is a whiny teenage brat who just needs to shut up. And then by the end of the game, because his character development is really well done, even though it feels kind of abrupt, by the end of the game, I was like, I really like him, actually. So did you play 13 on Xbox or PlayStation uh, 3? PlayStation 3. Okay, so the Xbox 360 version of the game was on three discs. Ooh, ouch. So when I bought the game, I played through... I started playing through the game and I was like, okay, I want, my goal is to get to the open world and just start exploring and doing all this crazy stuff. Well, you had to yeah. get through the first two discs. So I remember playing through the first two discs and going, okay, the story's not too bad. People are annoying, da, 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 but that's to be typical with voice acting and stuff like that. I finally get to the third disc and it's like, they, they, it's right after that one battle. I can't remember exactly what happened, but they come out and you go into the open world for the very first time. 
and I run out and I go fight one monster and I'm like, okay, well, I'm done with the game. <laughs> I didn't even play it any further. I'm just like, that was just, it was just too much. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it definitely, I think the biggest issue is that they didn't have a lot of those side quests to develop the various characters. Like we were talking about earlier. It just, it was like linear game, linear game, linear game, and then open world, but there's nothing to do do in the open world i mean they have like all these like little side things with like the different like seeth stones around the open world but there's nothing to do in the open world that contributes to your character growth or that contributes to the main story and so that's why it felt like i think i think at least that's why it felt very flat once you got to the world of grand pulse see i don't know what it is about the newer games like final fantasy 10 i think was the last game that i played that actually felt to me like old school Final Fantasy that I grew up with. And mm-hmm. it seemed like after that game was done, I mean, when they started coming out with the online version, cause I actually tried to play the online version, couldn't get into it. Um, I played 12 or I, am sorry, I didn't play 12. I played 13. Um, I didn't play, f- actually I did play 14, the online, the other online game. I played a little mm-hmm. bit of that. I just, I couldn't get into the online games and 13 and 15, just, I don't know. They just, they didn't feel like Final Fantasy games to me, like 10, through one did you know the original series there's Mm -hmm. just something about the way he created those original stories that i felt like okay this is final fantasy and i just i don't don't see that in the new games you might actually like 12 because 12 felt more like 12 felt a lot like ff3 to me okay and i don't know why i give it a shot i can't quite put my finger on why like I said, it does have some pacing issues, but it did feel, it felt more like old school, like pre-console Final Fantasy. Yeah, they um, just re-released that on PS4, issues. so I'm, I'm willing to pick that up and try it again. My my PS2 copy's still wrapped in plastic. I never opened the darn thing. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like I've told you, I did adore 15, and I think part of that was because even though the story was solid, the way the story was delivered was lacking, but... um. 15, I think, gets by on the strength of its characters, um, which is why I liked it, is because the characters were really, especially once they released all the DLC, which, like, come on, you guys, that should have been part of the game in the first place, but okay, whatever, I'll forgive it. Um, That's a whole other subject. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole separate issue. But (laughs) especially once you get the DLC, um, and especially once you get to um, this major plot point about two-thirds of the way through the game, um, it just i think it stands on the strength of its characters that's what i fell in love with i mean i'm getting i mentioned ignis is one of my favorite characters um and i do have a final fantasy 15 tattoo like i said but i'm actually expanding it a little bit Um, plug on the tattoo yeah plug on the tattoo hey man like you have to love a game a lot or at least love the characters a lot to get it like inked permanently on your body so i am getting expanding my 15 tattoo based on episode ignis from the dlc now did you ever watch the uh the king's glaive movie that came out i did i did actually so i got the um well, number one, I had been plugged into the development of FF15 since way back when it was announced as like versus 13, right? Uh-huh. So I had been following the development for about 10 years. The game came out when I was 23. So if I had been following it for 10 years, I had literally been following the development of this game for almost half my life. So you can imagine <laughs> that I was avidly consuming like anything they put out so then when they released kingsglaive like the very first day it was released on like amazon prime 
or whatever. I think it was Amazon video or whatever. I was like, I am buying this and I am watching it. So I what liked it. What were your it. thoughts on it? Okay. I was going to say, what yeah. were your thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I liked it. I, I, I really liked it. The animation is incredibly well done. There were a couple parts. I made my mom watch it with me because she hates video games. <laughs> um, but there were a couple parts where she was like, wait, is that a real actor or not? So the animation was top notch. Of course, they got freaking Sean Bean to play the king, which was awesome. Of course. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I really, really liked it. There were definitely a lot of points where I was kind of like, it's a good thing that I've read all this background information on the game because otherwise I'd have no idea why people are doing these things. Um, so I felt they there were a couple places in terms of like exposition and like background where they, where they fell short. But overall, I highly recommend it. Now, do you recommend to watch the movie before you play Final Fantasy 15 or do you watch the movie after you play Final Fantasy 15? Watch the movie before you play the game because so the game starts basically the movie, the movie, the first like 15 ish minutes of the movie starts and then you get like the opening bit of the game. And then there's a cut scene in like maybe like 20 to 30 minutes into the game that is basically like the events of the movie just okay, kind so of compressed. So I recommend watching the movie, then playing the game. Okay. Now, if you had to compare Advent Children to Kingsglaive, do you, which one do you do you think was a better movie? If I were to compare the original Advent Children to Kingsglaive, I'd say Kingsglaive. But if I were comparing the like Advent Children complete like re-release in 2010, I'd say that movie's probably better because there's number one, there's a bit less shaky cam, so you can follow the action easier. Um, number one and number two, when they did the re-release, at least for the English dub, they put in a lot more background information for people who hadn't played the game. So if you hadn't played FF7, you could then go and watch Advent Children Complete and they would actually give you like a lot of backgrounds. You understood, okay, well, this is how Sephiroth is coming back to life or whatever. Um, so I'd say they did probably better in terms of the movie with Advent Children Complete. Now, what about the spirits, Final Fantasy Spirits Within? <laughs> I like to pretend that that movie doesn't exist, so... <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> well, awesome. Is there anything else you want to add about Final Fantasy before we cut this episode short? Uh, for everyone who hasn't played any of the Final Fantasy games, I highly recommend it. You don't have to start with the first one. You can pick a random number and start with it. I highly recommend as like... A Final Fantasy gateway game, I recommend four or 15, actually, as really good games to get you into. Yeah, and that's one thing that's beautiful about the Final Fantasy series is that none of the games have anything to do with, none of the main numbered games have anything to do with each other. So you can pick any game in the series, and it's its own world, own universe. You don't have to know anything about the other games to play that one game. So unless you play like X, X2 or 13, 13, 2, 13 lightning returns. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Don't, don't start with one that says like a number and then two start with one of the numbered games. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. And Cammy, would you like to go ahead and plug your uh, first call crochet one more time about how people can find out more about your crochet? Yes, absolutely. So you can check me out on Etsy at first call crochet, or you can check me out on Twitter at just call crochet or you can send me an email at notaspooniebard at gmail.com to contact me about crochet things or just to talk to me. Please come talk to me. I love people. Email her about Final Fantasy. Yes. Yes. I have no <laughs> other actual like friends who play Final Fantasy. So please come talk to Final Fantasy to me. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. 
Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com? There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you, Cammie, very much for joining us on this episode. I really appreciate you joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad that you're on. I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about Final Fantasy, and I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about your first call crochet, and I really hope people go check it out and go pick up some of your items. Thank you very much. Well, I've been Daniel. And I've been Cammie. And we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.